what a joy to be a part of God's ohana. I want you to know, following Jesus is not easy, but it's the right thing. We may never see my father again after this because of his health, that, you know, and we may. But the reality is Jesus is good. And he is worth it. He is worth it. And I want you to know that he is worth it. As a kahu that has dealt with a lot of suffering this past four years, we're just dealing with people. Jesus is worth it. I'm going to have to say something funny just to change the mood right now. When I was 18 years old, uh, God rescued me in Las Vegas, Nevada. And it was at age 18 that I also was called to pastor. So I've been pastoring for almost 16 years now. And one of the first things that the church told me to do was start a youth event at a park in Las Vegas where skaters were a lot of. And then me and this youth group that I led, these leaders, went to this park and we did our first movie night with skateboarders and local Vegas kids and teenagers. And then we had about 60 kids in attendance. We popped up the big 20 by 20 screen. We had a movie night. We, we were going to show the movie uh, Extreme Days. If you've never seen that movie, Google it. It's one of the funniest movies in the world. It has a gospel presentation in it. And while we were about to give out the popcorn and the food, was going to have this movie time. We heard this sound. All the, ma- the maka'is came on the grass, right? They came on in their uniform, and I-, I was still kolohe a little bit, you know. I was still a kind of what people would call a punk still. So when- whenever I see authority, it wasn't me running away, but I, like, step up to authority, right? That's the way I grew up. That's the way I wired. And so the cops come out, and then after he said, excuse me, sir, and I still speak speaking pigeon at the time. I said, what's up, bro? You know, as a, you know, in my attitude at a Christian event in that attitude. Can I get a witness, right? And all that. And so I said, well, sir, do you have a permit to show this uh, film? I said, no, why? What's, what's, what's the problem, bro? You know, I said, just acting cocky and arrogant. And I said, there's no problem, but if you want a problem, you can come with me. And then after my leader came up to me, an older man, and he always helped me. And then he said, what's going on? What's the, what's the, what's the dealio? That's what he said. You know, that's how people talk in the mainland, right? And then, and then they said, well, you guys don't have a permit. You guys can't have this event here. And so the older man said, come on, we're just helping out the community and doing good things for them and all that. And then what happened is that our cars were on the field, too, at the same time. And so he looked at our vehicles, and he said, whose vehicles are these? And said, oh, it's ours. And then the cop was like, hey, um... You guys have a permit to have vehicles on the field? And they have to say, no, we don't. We don't. I said, well, if you don't move it in the next 10 seconds, I'm going to arrest you two and shut it down. So we immediately learned our lesson and we got off the field. All right? You know, in life, we have life lessons. Right? I remember my dad telling me, don't eat that berry off that bush. All right? I didn't know it was a, it was a Tabasco. You know, I didn't know that chili pepper. Uh, and so I put them in my mouth. And guess what? I learned my, right? That's the way my dad tells me growing up, Hawaiian, wear a cup when you play baseball. I said, all those Kanaka boys, boys, like, we don't need no cup. All right? We can't move, bro. We get, you know, we swift, we good, and all that. Promise to God, the first play, I was up for bat. And when I swinged, I'll wait. Guess where the ball went? Yes, in my glory. All right? All that. All right? I learned my lesson. 
That's the deal. We have life lessons, but God talks about biblical life lessons that allows us to be in right fellowship with Him. And as I was spending time with God, God taught me this in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. Would you turn to the book of the Bible in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11? If you don't have your Bible, we have it on the screen. But would you stand with me in the reading of God's Word? In reverence, in honor to God. The words go like this. John Mark writes these, le- these words and he says this. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, this is Jesus and his disciples, Jesus was what? Hungry. Say that word again. Hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf. He went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but what? Leaves. For it was not the season for what? And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples what? Heard it. Drop down to verse 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you curse has what? Withered. And Jesus answered them, have, say those three words with me, faith in God. Truly I say to you, meaning listen up. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I mean everything we just read, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have what? Received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. Say that word with me. Forgive. Say it again. Forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father, also who is where? In heaven, may what? Forgive you your trespasses. God, we need you. We need to hear from you continually. Convict our hearts for the things above. And God, we pray that this birthday celebration is not about Ohana Church, but it's about King Jesus. Thank you, God, for your mana'o today. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's Ohana says, amen, amen. I want to give you seven lessons we learn from our text today. Seven simple lessons, and then we'll be pal, and then we can go beach. Amen? It says this, number one, here's seven lessons we can learn about the fig tree. Number one, the fig tree represents life. I want you to see in our text, in verses 12 and 13, Jesus was hungry. The fig tree represents life because of what Jesus saw on the tree. Jesus it was looking for what? Fruit. And what we know about this fruit is that the fruit looks exactly like its leaves. And what we know about food is that we what? 
We need food. Some of us less, right? But we need food. Food allows us to live. Food gives life. Food allows us to breathe. And that's what the tree represents. Number two, the tree represents death. Say that with me. Death. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says this. That Jesus, when he came up to the tree, he cursed the tree, and he said, May no one ever, what? Eat fruit from you again. But then you look in verse 20, and Peter confirms the death two days later. All right? And you may ask this. Why would Jesus kill the same tree after he was seeking to what? Eat from it. Why would the Savior of the world in one way say, I'm hungry, I'm going to get some grinds from this tree, but then when he gets up to it, the bug will curse the tree. And the tree withers two days later, and then the disciples hears it, and when they came back two days later, passing by the tree, they see the tree is dead because of what Jesus said. There's a lot of power to that right now. When God says something, something happens. So how do we answer this? In order to understand there's two different comparisons. We need to compare it one way by reading the middle part of the passage. When we're understanding Scripture, let Scripture always what? Interpret Scripture. And so let's read verses 15 to 19 to understand the curse. It says this in verses 15 and 19 that, And they came to where? Jerusalem from Bethany. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who what? Sold and those who bought in the what? Temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold what? Pigeons. He would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, here's Jesus speaking, is it not written that my house shall be called a house of what? Prayer for what? All the nations. But you have made it a den of, say that word, robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they what? Feared him. Because all the crowd was what? Astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out to the city. I want you to see clearly in this text, all right, that God is clearly describing this whole situation, the curse, in two positions. The first position, it's a parable about the condition of Israel. Israel is like the fig tree. When you're standing far away from the fig tree, it looks good. But what you notice when you get closer into people's life, you realize they're not good. Are you, really, are you seeing what's going on? So Jesus is verifying before he gets to the temple a symbolic prophecy saying, I am cursing this tree because this tree looks like the heart of humanity. It looks good from a distance, but you get closer, they're rotten at the core. And this may be many of us in this room, if we're honest, that we're rotten at the core. We can put on nice clothes and good perfume and all this stuff and tattoos that look culturally relevant. But in all that, our heart is dead. Like the fig tree. Like the fig tree. Last night we just did things that didn't look like Christ. Looked like the fig tree. And today we come in here 
Acting like we look like Christ, but we really look like the fig tree. That's death. Here's another thing we see with this curse. False conversion. Not really following Jesus. You can say all you like on your posts on Facebook about Jesus. But that doesn't determine if you're a Jesus follower. What determines is that you have had a true conversion from the inside out. I know. I went to church. I grew up in church. My father was a pastor. And I was the worst one of all. Church wasn't real to me. Because everybody that was with me was smoking, doping, doing all this Saturday night before church. Hallelujah. And I would be on my ukulele. What a mighty God we serve. Doom, 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 boom, boom, boom. What a mighty. I would be worshiping God, leading worship. And behind my dad's back, I would be the fig tree that was cursed. Some of this, I, I see your face is hitting you. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. It reveals false conversion. Some of you may have made response to Christ that you belong to Jesus, but in all reality, you don't belong to Jesus. You just belong to a religion. And there's a difference between relationship and religion. Religion teaches this is what you got to do to be in right standing with God. Relationship teaches that you cannot do nothing in and of itself. You need Jesus. He's the only one who can do it. How do I know? He cursed the tree. With his mouth, he created the world. With his breath, he is now judging the world. So we see this, and when you hear this, it's easy to say, oh, man, I am convicted. But you have to be even beware of pastors and teachers of the word who does not point you to Jesus, but to a dead fig tree. It says it in 2 Timothy. And 2 Timothy is clear. He says it in chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. Man, this is rich. It says, but understand this. That in the last days, there will come times of what? Difficulty, not prosperity. That's the wrong thing with the church. We think that the gospel is about our prosperity. What car I have, what house I have. If I have Hawaiian homeland or no Hawaiian homeland, you can wait forever. I promise you, I'm on that list too, all right? The reality is, it's difficult. And if your life is difficult today, say hallelujah. That's the gospel. The gospel is not about feel good, fluffy, feeling bunny good, whatever the case is. It's about Christ in you, the hope of glory, who has suffered for you. And because he suffered for you and you belong to him, you will suffer for him. That's the reality. And I'm not trying to get claps in here. I'm being honest. Whether if you clap or not. That's the gospel. For people will be lovers of, help me out, self. As a football coach, I see this every time at the weight room. Everybody, like, go to the dumbbell section. Why? Because how I get the mirror over there. All the fat linemen, like, see how big their shoulders are. But if you put the mirror over here, by the Kelly Kelly area, they need more core workout rather than upper body strength. Hallelujah. You don't need more feel-good messages in church. You need core messages. Come on. You need core messages. You don't need messages where preachers make you feel good about yourself. That is sin. 
You need messages that cut your heart. Like right now, I know I'm funny and all that, but you should be broken about your sin in your life. You should be like, you should be like, man, this sucks. God, I love you, but God, I can't help but sinning against you. God, it hurts, God. I need you to do what only you can do. Curse this life out of me, Jesus. Curse it. I need it. I need it. I don't need it from Zeke. Because if I only come once a week on Sunday, what about Monday through Saturday? I need you, Jesus. Get out of the mirror. Actually, move the mirror down. He says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient in their parents, ungrateful, 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 unholy, heartless, unpleasable, unpleasable, slanderness, without self-control, brutal. Not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having appearance, here you go, you ready for the fig tree analogy? Having the appearance of what? Godliness, but what? Denying its power. You see this? You ready? Avoid such people. Well, that's harsh. That's not, un, that's not con- unconditional love. Listen to me. We got to get away from this terminology and mindset thinking that, oh, let's just get along. That don't work. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There is Jesus. There is Satan. There is good. There is evil. Oh, let's just get along is a pit from hell. That's a lie. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into your household and capture weak women. They're burdened with sin and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as James and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get, help me out, very far. For their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. That should hit you at your core today. That should hit you. Thank God we get an AC, hallelujah, a couple weeks. This should acknowledge your desperate heart for a savior as a sinner. Now, now, I'm a little bit done batting you on the head today, okay? But you needed to hear that. Because here's the next lesson we learned from the fig tree. Hope. Can I get a witness? Hope. After Peter acknowledged Jesus regarding the fig tree situation, verse 22 says this. Listen to me. Jesus answered Peter. Uh, You guys never hear. Only one of you heard it. This is the answer to hope. Jesus answered y'all. You still didn't get it. Jesus, in his holiness, in his righteousness, responded to you, filthy sinner. 
Was that more clear now? Like he speaks to sinners. He speaks to dirty, filthy sinners. And the gospel is not true if all it is is Jesus loving you. The gospel is completely true when you realize you have sinned against a holy God and you need him. You need him. Look at this. It's one thing to get an answer from somebody, but to even get an answer from the king of kings and the Lord of lords is hope alone. Can I get a witness? That's the deal. We have given an answer, and what we want to do is we want to come to Jesus on our terms. Well, God, if you only answer this prayer, I'll follow you. It's not the way it works. And that's why you're in the situation you're in. Because it's on your terms. God doesn't come down to man and, and man and he just kneels to man. He's God. Man must show allegiance to God by submission. God, I cannot do it. I surrender. The hope is this, that God didn't remain passive in redemption. But God, through Jesus, became proactive through his atonement on the cross for you and me. That is the hope we have in Christ. But here's the, here's the other one. Here's the fourth lesson we learned, that God gives us faith to trust in that hope. Look at what Jesus tells him. Jesus answered him, and he says these four words. Have faith in what? It didn't say this, go to church on Sunday. That's what you got to see what it's not saying in the book. It didn't say, oh, you got to tithe. Oh, you got you to you dress better. Oh, you got to act right when the pastor is around you. You know, you got you to be, you got to put on your best uh, suit, your, your good, you know, tie, whatever the case is. What it's saying is have faith in God because all of that is an extension of God's faith through you. Yeah. All of those secondary things is important, but none of that happens apart from your faith in God. And in the Bible, we see 240 times that this word faith, Listen to me, this word faith is what gives us activation into what we live today. Like apart from faith, we cannot do nothing. And if we're not doing anything, there is no faith. But faith don't come from us. Faith comes from God. He's the one that enables the sinner to live this sainthood life. This is the hope that, listen to me, it empowers us. Faith conquers fears. It makes us, listen to me, it makes us dangerous for the gospel to advance throughout the world. Why? Because we have the remedy to the problem, and that's our hope and faith in Jesus. That's what the fig tree teaches. As we look at our text, it gives us hope. Why? Because it said that his disciples, what? Heard. Here, here, here's the, look at what uh, Lloyd-Jones says about faith. He said, faith always has the element of assurance. Certainty and confidence, and eventually value validating the thing we what? Hope for. With faith, there is no what? Strain or what? Say it louder. Tension. Rather, it has the element of assurance and what? Confidence in it. If there is strain or tension, trying to persuade yourself to keep from doubting, you can be quite sure that that is what? Not faith. For faith is not the law of mathematical probability. Faith is the natural. Faith is spiritual. The gift of God. You cannot command faith at will. Faith is always something that is given in worth by who? 
God. Therefore, if you want to be a man of faith, it will always be the result of becoming a certain type of person. What is that? One who trusts in Jesus. That is powerful. So what does this mean? What we see in our text, we can ask God for big things. Oh, quiet right there. What a, what a hard topic to talk about. When in the last 50 years, we've had this prosperity gospel that has undermined the American culture. What am I saying where we can ask big things from God? God, give us 1% of this city. What was the good joy of that? It wasn't about more money. It was about more souls. That's something big to ask for. If you're new to Ohana Church, in November, we cast a new vision called Building for the Future. It's hot today. All right? We cast a vision called Building for the Future. And one, the first thing we're asking God in the next three years is that he would give 1% of the city to us. What does that mean? That 500 people will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, we're not saying that they will all come to our church, but we are saying that this fellowship right here will stop being just a mediocre Christian. But they will actually live what they believe. They will walk in what they're saying. You know, their, their heart, their walk will reveal their heart. Why? Because they've experienced Christ, and they can ask Christ for big things. Look at what verse 23 says. It says, truly I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, wherever you ask him, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have what? Received it and it will be yours. It's not saying that all the time we're going to be moving mountains. It is symbolic for saying those big mountain issues that are in your life, God will remove or cast away. Because why? God is faithful to remain his name forever. It's not about your name. It's about God's name. Why do you think the Bible still exists today? Because the Bible is about God and not you. You will be forgetting about in three generations. Known fact. That's a known fact. Scientists says we all will be forgetting about in the next three generations. But this will continue. How do we know it? Historically, it's been proven. Not just theologically that we believe by faith that it's, but historically, secular philosophers have seen this who doubted, who doubted in Jesus. Some of them even saw Jesus and still doubted Jesus and wrote about his goodness. Like Josephus in the, in the New Testament church of A.D., we see that. So we see a couple things. After hope, after faith, here's the next thing for the fig tree, prayer. The fig tree represents prayer, our desperate need for Christ. Prayer is much more than trying to get stuff from God. Can I get a witness? But rather being in sync with the heart of God. That's what prayer is about. Because prayer in syncs with God's heart in this one way. You ready? Number six, lesson. Forgiveness. When Jesus was on the cross, listen to me. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, Lord, Father, what? Forgive them for what? For they know not what they do. Could you imagine the way we would respond to circumstances now? There was a discrimination act that went against my family this past week. And I believe it's because we were Hawaiian. We rented a condo, and we were at a pool area, and majority of the people there and owners there and people that stay there were Haoles, 
And we were there, and our children and myself was, was confronted by not abiding by the pool rules because we were too loud. And so I apologized because it was true, and I owned that. And the uncle was a sweet guy, but then I'd have my wife take all the children back up to their room and just relax, and they had to take their afternoon nap. And then after that, my friend and I were there. We just talked for an hour, just the gospel about what God is doing in our lives. We're under the pavilion. Then they had three, four other holy families that came down that did the exact same thing, and I watched the time. An hour went by, and nobody came to reprimand those four families. Now, in my... Kanaka, and my flesh, I wanted to start the, the discrimination deal. You guys know who grew up here. You guys know what I'm talking about. But in all reality, Jesus trumps that. This is why the gospel exists. Because discrimination is a practice of the devil. Listen to me. And you know me. I am the least discriminated person. I married a Holly. Hello. You know? From Tennessee. You know? You can't get more Holly than that. <laughs> Who was a part of the Confederacy three generations ago, probably. Hello. <laughs> if there's anybody that understands discrimination, it will be my family on both sides. But forgiveness goes a long way. The fig tree represents our, us for he says this, and whenever you stand and pray, you may say, how do you pray? It tells you right there in the book, forgive. How do I pray? Forgive. Whatever you stand and, whenever you stand and pray, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven, what? May forgive you of your trespasses. What is it saying? Is that you sin just as much as the other individual just, demonstra just demonstrated discrimination to you and your family. And the balance is Jesus. Listen to me. The message is incomplete apart from the last truth. Here's the final lesson. The fig tree represents Jesus. The fig tree represents Jesus. Specifically, our desperate need for Jesus. The fig tree could only live as long as Jesus said it could live. It was living. It had leaves on it. It was about to bear fruit in the next couple weeks or months. But then Jesus, with his breath, cursed it, and the tree died. That will give you a better perspective of eternity for mankind. Listen to me. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said these strong words, and we'll be powerful. May no one eat fruit from you ever again. I was like, what does that really mean? I know Mark is about parables, stories with illustrations, but what does this mean? Well, let me, I have to ask some questions to myself to answer some of that theologically and in the spirit of God in my study time. And I want to, I want to answer a couple, I want to ask a couple questions to you and you answer it. Let me ask you this. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, when they sinned in the garden, what leaves did Adam and Eve wear? Look at the book. Fig leaves. When Adam and Eve was in the garden, who do you think was on the tree opposing them and lying to them? Huh? Say it louder. So when Jesus said these words to the tree, 
Who do you think Jesus is literally talking to? Oh my goodness, you guys. I know some of us went Hilo High in here, okay? And White Chaos, okay? Here you go, look. Who do you think Jesus is talking to when he's cursing the tree? Satan. Satan. This is what he's saying. Satan, you cannot have my child. Satan, you cannot have my wife. Satan, you cannot have my son. Satan, you cannot have this church. Satan, nobody's going to eat from this tree again, Satan. Why? Because you are a deceiver. You're evil. You're not good. Satan, you are completely wrong. You are the problem with this world. You pervert the things of this world. Everything was good. Everything was holy. Everything was righteous. To you, Satan, the deceiver, has caused deception on the man and the woman. And today we are the result of Satan's influence in this world. Listen to me. You're not battling with hollies at a condominium. You're battling with Satan. Can I get a witness? You're not battling with that person in your household you're battling with Satan your husband is not the problem the reason why he's not here is because Satan is attacking him the reason why your wife is not here is because Satan's attacking her the reason why they are so corrupted the reason why politics will never work because everybody thinks it's their way or the highway but the real way say with me is Jesus And if you don't get that, my heart breaks for you. Because as much as there's those who will repent of their sins today, truly repent, not be remorseful, two different things, truly repent, there are three times, four times more in this room that will reject Jesus. Matthew 7. Why? Because following Jesus is not easy. Let me tell you what this does for us, understanding these lessons. You know what it says to us? Christ wins. Jesus wins. And if Jesus wins, guess what? We win. Look at what Revelation says about this. So powerful. Revelation says this. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his what? Prison. And will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog to gather them for battle. Their numbers is like the sand of the sea. Whoa. And they marched up over the, the broad plain of the earth. And surrounded the camp of the saints and beloved city. But fire came down from heaven. And what? Consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the what? lake of fire and sulfur where the beasts where the beasts and the false prophets were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever what is happening there's going to be a big stadium filled with saints and on the field it's going to be you can't even count it because it's like sand grain right there's going to be evil people on the field and on the field, there's going to be one person against all those thousands of millions and billions and trillions of evil people. Jesus. And Jesus with fire from heaven 
will destroy Satan and his legions forever. And then when the game is over, the MVP of all eternity will not be, listen to me, will not be Toa, but it will be Jesus Christ, the risen King. He is the most valuable player. Do you know the MVP? Do you know the only MVP? Do you know the GOAT? The greatest of all time. Do you know Jesus? If you don't, you can know him today. The fig tree teaches us that. That Jesus wins. So like all you bandwagon people that jump in ship every year when NFL season come on. Why don't you do the right bandwagon thing? And jump on the train of Jesus. you bow your heads and close your eyes with me God we surrender to you just in your heart not trying to manipulate anybody you just have heard the word I don't need to guide you in their response you should know clearly based on the spirits conviction on your heart where you stand when it comes to eternity there is hope at the same time there is damnation. I pray that you would be convicted and you would forgive. How? Ask God for forgiveness. Then let that forgiveness forgive yourself. And then live differently. You've been changed by the message of Christ today.